Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Back to the TARDIS podcast, the podcast where we take a look at every single episode of the 2005 revival of BBC's Doctor Who. I'm Jeff. I'm Skylar. And I'm Nomad, and this week I will once again piss Jeff the hell off by enjoying an episode. Yeah, and this week we are discussing <laughs> Series 6, Episode 13, The Wedding of River Song, written by, who else, Stephen Moffat. Uh, yeah, as, as, as was said, I, I don't like this episode. I think I, it I, is... I like this episode. I think it is once again symptomatic of the overly style over substance um, uh, format that Moffat ended up going for a lot. I think there are some good things in it, but it is overall marred by the general season arc that I think has consistently been poorly implemented. Yeah, um, you know, I don't think the season arc was excellent. Um, per- you know, personally, I think I just tend to be a sucker for Moffatisms. Um, like, so- sometimes, you know, obviously there's been ones I've been like, eh, in the past, but sometimes they, they hit for me. And I feel like this was an episode where, I don't know, I, I can't really, like, give specifics on why the Moffatisms were-, were doing good for me this time, but I don't know, I just enjoyed the episode and didn't really feel like it it detracted anything um, from my experience too much. Yeah. Uh So I guess first things off the bat, the fact, I think the fact that this is not a two-parter shoots itself in the nuts because it constantly feels like, it feels like things aren't, like there isn't enough setup on anything. And that's kind of the problem is because they've spread the arc out. And because each of these arc episodes are super different, it doesn't ever really feel like we spend enough time on any one part of it. It is all style over substance like this fucking like, Ooh, it's, it's all of time is happening at once thing, which is pretty much just surface level and not actually explored in any interesting way. And, up until like they eventually get to the pyramid it feels like the episode's constantly going and then and then and then and then and it just it's a fucking it's incoherent so this is where i differ i'm this episode is cementing me y'all i'm the radical centrist of this (laughs) podcast because (laughs) for me everything was good or at least passable up until the pyramids and up until we get river song in this all time is happening at once timeline because well i'm sure we'll go into it but it's just i i accept the premise i think the setup is good i think the script mostly works um just in terms of like the isolated episode not talking about the arc yet but once we get to the pyramid and therefore the doctor and river's relationship i.e. that there isn't one. Yeah, oh, <laughs> that, yeah, no, that, that, that part... I'm not saying that that part's good. It's just that's the point where it stops constantly jumping from place to place like it doesn't actually know what to focus on. For oh, better for sure. or for worse, it does at least focus on a thing at that point. Yeah, I definitely noticed the nature of it not being a two-parter. It really affected it. I didn't really sit back to think that this is the first time in the revival that 
there isn't a two-parter to end the series. Yeah. And it really shows, because even, even some of RTD's hot mess arcs, at least I felt like I knew what was going yeah. on, and that it was, like, cementing its place in the universe, in the setting, you know, whatever. Whereas here, it's just like, I like the flashback setup, I like the Doctor telling the story to, uh, to Churchill, but at the same time, I was like, couldn't we have had this, like, big, long, like, odyssey, like, epic of the Doctor deciding, like oh, screw it, I'm just gonna run around forever, and then the conclusion mm -hmm. to that being, okay, I'm gonna fucking do this, like, that just, I don't know, it was, as you said, it, it was really affected, but as I said, I'm forever the radical centrist, so, yeah, we'll see what we like and what we don't like. Yeah, and yeah, it's no, like, and I, go, no, go ahead. Yeah, I, I definitely agree it would have benefited from being a two-parter, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have minded an episode of, like, you know, I, I think maybe necessarily like a, a, a very cohesive two-parter wouldn't have been the way to go, but something, you know, like uh, Heaven Sent, Hellbent, um, sort of just the, the like two interrelated stories, one that feeds right into another, one with the Doctor sort of, yeah, just like running around doing this thing of like escaping time, uh, you know, trying to make sure time never catches up with him. And then it sort of maybe ends on the, the note of like time stopping. Um, Somewhere around there, or maybe just like him deciding to go to to Utah, something like that, um, and then another part devoted to like the the fixing shit. Um, but but I, this despite it definitely being a, a bit rushed, I don't think it 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 was bad per se. As a result, I don't think I would. There was a point where I was like, this is just going too fast for me to like appreciate. Um, I think it, it was it was jumping around a lot, certainly, but then it did sort of settle down into a path once it had all of its pieces in place. Um, so yeah, it could have benefited from more. I don't think it necessarily was ruined by being a one-parter. So we have fucking, like, first off, Winston Churchill is back, much to my displeasure. Like, yeah, come on. God. Fuck off. <laughs> I like him Secondly, more in this story and than, than Well, yeah, Daleks, because at least but... he's completely removed from any real situation. And it doesn't, like, it doesn't even really matter that it's Winston Churchill anymore. It could be the fucking nude organist from Monty Python and nothing would be different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I appreciate the early bird cameos. Um... I, f I forgot fucking um, Charles Dickens yeah. from all the way back in series one is in this. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, not not to derail your Anyways, point. Anyways, yeah. We we uh, the doctor is like doing shit, like playing a chess game with this dude whose face looks like a fucking like he looks like handsome Squidward. <laughs> um. You know, they go and get the head of Doria Maldivar. Dude dies. Um, now, there is one thing that I can 100... Like, even if I don't think it's set up enough, and really what I think this should have been is it should have been the end of an episode where the whole, like, the plot of the episode is how he doesn't want to... He's basically trying to run away. 
this part here where he uh he basically he he like he gets a phone call and it's like oh Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart Brigadier Le yeah Lethbridge Stewart died and you kind of see it in his face that is absolutely brilliant and it kind of it's so good that it actually annoys me that it is chained to the context that it is presented in because I think it would have been so much more effective if just placed in a slightly different place. This episode is dedicated to that actor, is it not? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, it was, it was a nice character moment. As I said, the setup is, like, fine. The flashback stuff is fine. It's just the, the context in which you set it all up. It's like, okay, we have this, like, sort of pseudo-Star Wars adventure. We're planet-hopping to, like, these different places. It all feels like a grand epic, and then there's the rest of the episode it was clever at first i was like oh yeah this is a moffat episode but then when the doctor drops the line or churchill like asks why this is all happening um or like what the woman is like uh he's like hell and high heels yeah and i was like, like oh right, yeah fuck off, oh yeah buddy. <laughs> i was like oh yeah <laughs> moffat wrote this <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it, it kind of it yeah and it, it kind of goes into the whole thing of River, which is it really genuinely does feel like to me that River in this episode, like they're trying to write her like they wrote her in Husbands of River Song. But the problem is, is that A, the circumstances are different and B, at the point in her timeline that this episode supposedly takes place in, it feels really off. Yeah, I think for sure River is the weakest part of this episode. She is very just nothing. Um, and she should be the strongest <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, yeah. for an episode And, like and that, that's, that's definitely... It is definitively the biggest detriment of the episode is that River is just, she's there, she's sad at one point, she has yeah. other emotions at other points, and none of them really matter. <laughs> yeah. At all. No, yeah, and it's like, the thing is, is like, I, as much as I will bitch and moan and complain of like, bitch, he's literally asking to die. Stop being such a fucking jackass and let him do what he wants to do. It's like, as much as I bitch about that, that doesn't even annoy me as much as the fact that her coming to the realization of, oh, there is no other way feels super rushed. Yeah. Like, we just, she just kind of goes to, oh, we're fine. Because he, from, like, if I'm remembering this correctly, he doesn't whisper the, like, hey, Tesselecta plan, which in itself, fuck off. Um, <laughs> he doesn't even whisper that in her ear until she's already, like, oh, fine, okay. And it just, it doesn't feel like it logically progresses. It feels like it jumps between two extremes really quickly. The characterization of River confuses me because, on one hand, it's played it's played super hard in the script. Like, this is straightforward love. And that's fine if you set that up that way. But within the text of this episode, 
one of the first things she says to Kavarian is like, oh, you raised me to be a psychopath. Who else was I going to fall for? Which, putting all of the problematic elements of Yeah, no, that River- alone is just like a fucking fuck off, Moffat. It's the same yeah. shit with, like, Irene Adler in Sherlock that's just... He keeps thinking that he's writing cool femme fatales, but the way he does it is always so fucking cringe. Yeah, like, at least with Amy, there's an element of, like, oh, yeah, you kind of, like, really fucked her up. But with River, there's never really that sense outside of a few episodes. And the fact that it's just, like, oh, you could have this interesting exploration of, like, she feels like she has to love the Doctor because of what she's read. Or she has, like, attachment or abandonment issues because he basically saves... Well, she saves him and then he leaves. Like, there could have been that element, but instead it's played forward, like, straightforward love. It's played, like, this is River from Silence of the Library, mm-hmm. when that's not fucking what's yeah. happening. Yeah, so it's this, like, is, this is, like, the River right after Let's Kill Hitler. It's like, what? Yeah, yeah you, so, you, like, you, <laughs> go you ahead. You get it a bit. You get it a bit in the, the first astronaut scene that she's, like, totally fucked up and has no idea what's going on. Um, yeah. But, like, the rest of the episode, it, it's definitely, like, just confusing characterization. Because you get that moment where she's like, ah, what the fuck, dude? This is fucked up. Um, <laughs> and then the rest of the episode, she's she kind of does it. But at the same time, it's, it's it seems more just like, oh, dear. Like, oh, no. Uh, that's a really bad description, but just, yeah, she doesn't sell it as, as much as being like a functional child who is being actively traumatized and more just like person who is sad about things that are happening. Um, and I think that's an, an important distinction that the episode fails to sort of make. Look, um, yeah. you, you know you've fucked up when the romance between Anakin and Padme in the prequels feels more earned and well-paced. I'm just saying, there are two episodes I love River in, and those are really damn fucking good episodes. But going back through this series, and especially this episode, where it's all supposed to come together, I'm just like, man, this would be great if you worked for it. I still think, honestly, that what kills this episode in particular and the arc in general is the fact that River never on screen travels with the Doctor as a companion and it feels like that was something that he set it up like that was what happened in uh, Silence of the Library and he never for I guess he didn't want to do it for whatever reason I think he should have because the fact that he didn't actively cripples this because it doesn't make sense why she's so like it feels really shitty how she's already at that level for him as a complete 180 from chronologically her last appearance which would have been let's kill Hitler it's just fucking baffling. Yeah. Um, I had never actually thought about that before, River traveling with the Doctor. Um, and and I definitely think that would have been good. I think 
I, the immediate reason my mind jumps to for why um, he wouldn't is, is literally, you know, this is one of Moffat's deficiencies with writing River is that she always has to be like smarter yeah. and more badass than the doctor. Yeah. And if you had her, she be a has companion. to be the sexy femme fatale Mary Sue, which yeah. is a problem. It's, it's for a her. big fucking problem. Because she's sort of introduced as that. And then sort of the assumption that she wasn't always that. But you basically get her... I mean, not even not even jumping to that. Because even in Let's Kill Hitler, she's already kind of that, just in opposition to the Doctor. Yeah. And you never get a point where she's sort of not that with the Doctor. Um, yeah. She just flips straight from being a femme fatale opposing him to being a femme fatale like, working with him. Um, yeah. And you never get any moments of, like genuine growth or change beyond that like 180 and she remains a very static character and that's very much to her detriment yeah and it's just yeah and it's like it's it's so disappointing to watch in real time as he sets up this character incredibly well and then just refuses to let her live up to her full potential. And it is like literally her first story and her last story are the two best stories that she's in. In terms of her characterization. But what if Chibnall did an episode? <laughs> God, please no. 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 <laughs> uh... Huh. Well, you know what confused think... me? What? Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just saying like, so all of time is happening at once. Bonkers concept, but Doctor Who. We're walking. We're walking. Um, and when it's all over, Amy and Rory are like it's just confusing like what time they're all pulled from because obviously they're not traveling with him i don't know it's just it's another aspect of it it's much smaller than all the I other issues this episode has but i think i think it's all supposed to be from when they were at lake silencio in utah from my understanding at least but it's like they did they have that house before the doctor like dropped them off because we don't really see that how anyway it doesn't matter but it was it was just a note of just like yeah this this script is all over the place yeah I, by the end i didn't care it was just like rule one the doctor lies and it's just like mm -hmm. okay so he so that wasn't a callback to the fact that she knows your name i guess that happens with 12 but whatever the fuck i don't care anymore so it, yeah it's like, Madame Kavar. it's like, oh, they've captured Madame Kavarian, and every time she shows up on screen, it's just like, go away, fuck off. You're I feel bad for that. Yeah. And it's, I feel it's bad just, for that. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, sorry. And it's just like, she gets killed off here, and it's just like, wow, you were totally wasted as a villain. Like, so much of this arc is based around the concept of opposition. And not any actual opposition, because this silence just do so fucking little on screen. It's all tell and no show. Yeah, they're all plot devices, except, 
like the most surface level examination and what i was gonna say is that i feel bad for that actress because she's like she's clearly like chewing the scenery yeah. but it's just like there's been so little exploration of the silence of the church that we later find out that she split from of her motivations beyond like again the whole like silence will fall bullshit so i'm just like I don't know you. You just come off as like a Saturday morning cackling cartoon villain. Yeah. And like that's it's sad because like when when someone who's when someone like the master who is literally like more of a cackling Saturday morning cartoon villain seems more fleshed out than you. It's like what what's going on? It didn't at no point did I feel there to be like a threat. And of course I've seen the episode before, but it all felt like very meticulously like okay so this happens here because coincidence um the eye drives don't work like every everything after cairo it just felt like stephen moffat was just like okay i need it like to check this like list off yeah of shit it's that like, needs to happen it's like he went river won't kill the doctor and all of time is happening at once and she won't let things go back to the way it was and uh uh Eh, whatever, I'll just come up with some shit I got Sherlock to go work on. <laughs> and it is just, I can't, I can't vibe with it. I can't vibe with this whole idea of only thinking of, like, and it's not even like, you know, sometimes, sometimes that works. Sometimes, like, again, I'm a Kingdom Hearts player. Sometimes the whole thing of... Oh, I'm just going to think of a bunch of cool shit and make it work somehow. Sometimes that can work. But the problem is, is that when Kingdom Hearts does that, it is usually to make an emotional impact of some sort. Not. It's to, also usually self-aware about it. Yeah, and not to just be cool shit. And the problem is, is that also doing cool shit for cool shit's sake, it also, part of it is that Doctor Who isn't that, and it clashes with previous cases. Like, I think really it crash, clashes badly with RTD, where you have these things of like, oh my god, there's all these Daleks, and there's this massive Emperor Dalek, or, like, oh, they're on this fucking TV, sh like, parody of reality shows. But they actually did the legwork to make it really work and feel like a, a part of the world that makes at least some sort of sense. Whereas Moffat is all just, like, woo, flash, and, and all of this shit without actually doing anything to make the plotting work. It's so strange watching the transition of, like, RTD had a pretty balanced sense of, like, style and substance, and Moffat has that balance or doesn't, depending on what part of his era you look at, and then Chibnall is just, like, heavily weighted in the style. Yeah. And not even... So, it, it's been Chibnall's interesting watching that. proper series finale feels like it is ripping off like a Moffat finale or cause like RT. Yeah. 
like RTD finale with like maybe some light elements of an RTD finale. He feels like he's badly imitating the two people that preceded him in a sort of sense of like, this is what people want from a finale, right? <laughs> oh, buddy. Chimno bad. Take a drink. Um, yeah. There's one good scene, like one really solid scene in um, once they get to Cairo and that's, that is Amy confronting Kavarian and basically not only just letting her die. Yeah, which letting is her like fucking die. Hell yeah, girl boss shit. Let's go. <laughs> she doesn't only she doesn't only let her die. She like purposefully kills her. Like the eye patch is falling off or the eye drive, whatever the fuck. Fuck you, Moffat. And <laughs> and then she sticks it back on. So I'm just like, you know, that's an interesting character moment. It barely works, but you know, good on you, Moffat. You got me to. You got me to be like, ooh, yeah, that was fucking cool. Like, but that, yeah, it's just, it's sad how, like, many, like, disparate parts of this episode, again, that it's, like, it's such a common theme with this series, that there's elements that work really well or just, like, good enough on their own, but together it's just, like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very much. Um, uh, brain moment. Yeah, no, okay. It's like RTD's finales after the uh, Parting of the Ways. And to a lesser extent, Parting of the Ways, but it feels like it actually kind of works there. The problem with, with RTD finales is similar it's it's kind of a similar problem but i feel like in execution it ended up not being as much of a problem where his thing is he would escalate and escalate in character moment and escalate until he got to the point of oh shit how do i resolve all this so it's like the plot is good up until the resolution where it feels kind of like a cop-out because of how much he would escalate Whereas Moffat's problem with arcs and finales is that he thinks of all, it's a similar thing of, oh shit, how do I X? But in this case, it's more, how do I connect all these things that I thought up in my massive, massive smart boy brain together? And because yeah. it is the literal connective tissue and framework of the episode that is lacking, it makes the whole thing feel so much worse. Especially, and also the fact that the characterization is nowhere near as strong. Yeah. RTD, again, he it felt like he had, like, a strong balance of, like, character and plot escalation, usually leaning more on the character. And with Moffat, at least for, like, the Matt Smith era so far, it just seems to be an escalation of plot and narrative without taking the time to make sure, like, that I give a damn he definitely becomes more practiced at that by 12's time, at least from what I remember. M maybe I'll change my mind, but yeah, it's, again, it's just fascinating looking at their differences in approach. Um, you know, we'll never know what this finale looks like in a, in a universe where he isn't also working on Sherlock. <laughs> and yeah. that makes me sad. <laughs> and, you know, so we, we, Everything resets back to normal, and River visits 
Amy and Rory and reveals that, you know, he faked his death through the Tesselecta. And everything goes on, though, the, the sense that, oh, some of this is going to be a little bit different now because he's faked his death. Which, again, is an interesting setup that, of course, goes nowhere. And, of course, Amy and Rory and River are still going to be sticking around for some time in the future even though I don't think they should be, and we end the season on, end this arc on an unsatisfying note of unfulfillment. Okay, I will say, you know, I, I do think some of the after bits are uh, annoying, but I really don't mind the Tesselecta resolution. Um, you know, I, I when, when you've gotten to that position of like, how do I kill him without killing him i think the tesselecta yeah. works fine um and i don't think it was like a complete shock it's sort of set up you know it, it's something that was introduced before obviously it was introduced just for this but yeah. it was still yeah. set up within the episode i i really yeah. didn't mind it i think it, I, it well, works well enough um here's, I, I, here's the problem in the first place is that i think in the first place unless You've got weird shit within the mechanics of your story in a serialized story before the story is over going, I'm going to fake killing off the main character and make everyone think he dies in a way that is as, like, as blunt as you literally see him get shot, get shot again so his regenerative cycle stops, die, and be given a Viking funeral. When you've gone that far, any resolution that you can think of is going to be unsatisfying. And, you know, maybe I'd be a little bit nicer on it if the rest of the arc was better, but with it is as it is, I'm not going to let him get away with copping out of this because it was a dumb idea in the first place if you couldn't back it up with an actually compelling arc. My main issue yeah. was it felt very, like, very quick. I know that it's... And it's almost played, like, as a joke revelation because the, the Tesselecta captain is, you know, is there anything we can do for you? And then it shows the rest of that scene. So it's like... I don't know, again, this is this is where the 45-minute syndrome comes in, because it's, first of all, it's incongruent with their with their first characterization. In Let's Kill Hitler, the Tesselecta people are portrayed as, like, time cop fascists who just want to, like, punish yeah. bad people because yeah. they get a kick out of it. So, like, it's not like they're punishing escaped criminals. These are people who are already going to die, and they seem very, like, legalistic and you know yeah. very by yeah, the book they're assholes fuck them yeah so it's just like okay but now you're gonna help like i don't i don't know there's just like there was no interim story to suggest that their crew had changed or that their society had changed there's just like nothing it's just okay now we'll help you because it's we're a convenient like piece in your like in your plot and yeah, it just felt like, again, knowing the resolution, it's just like, okay, you know, the the only thing that saved this ending for me was that at least the way Moffat uses the question of Doctor Who in, in the time of the Doctor, again, from memory, at least that was, like, interesting and, like, 
in like a context where like that would be like very complicated and very problematic and huge for the setting and huge for the character mm-hmm. um but like again just as its own finale it's like even at the end it can't resist but like teasing more and more as if like that will lead to like any satisfying like as if it's done any of the work for that yeah <laughs> so it's and the fact that it's only saved by me watching it in the future <laughs> um you know, uh, is this is a time, man. I don't know. I'm exhausted. <laughs> this fucking episode, it, it drained me, honestly. Yeah, I already said so. my bit, but I'll just reiterate it. I, I think, yeah, it could have been done better, but it's a, it's a, it's a contrivance that doesn't bother me. Um, I think it was fine, and I think it's a good enough resolution to, to the doctor dying thing. Um, and I think it sort of satisfies the, narr- the, the the narrative that was set up without breaking anything um, and it was fine enough it didn't bother me yeah all right are, is everybody ready to move on to uh, to ratings yeah all right so um yeah I I think it, like I don't like being this negative to this show this consistently, but it really does feel like a disappointing ending to a disappointing arc that I think was in the first place a mistake, or at least a mistake if it wasn't going to be handled in the way in if it was going to be handled in the way that it was. Um, yeah, I, I think it changes places far too much. It doesn't spend enough time on things. River makes no sense. Um, and the whole thing just kind of feels like you sit back and go, well, what the hell was the point of that? Like, you know, to go, like, I, I, (laughs) I know it is so stereotypical of me at this point to basically be like well rtd era did all of this better but if you look at the finales even the ones that i don't like like series four like yes they're big finales but they also do affect things in some ways that like actually feel like they matter like you know series one has a regeneration in it and it marks this culmination of the doctor's arc of basically becoming uh, someone who's willing to open up to people again. Series two has him losing Rose and starting this sort of downward spiral for him. Series three reintroduces the master and makes it seem like he's lost him again and also put him in a place where he realized that he fucked up in the way that he handled this relationship Series four has him lose Donna, which sort of explicitly is a straw that breaks the camel's back and sets him up for Waters of Mars. And the specials bow the whole thing out. Like when you think about Big Bang and when you think about um, uh, this series's finale, what really does it 
add to anything other than just being a big bombastic finale because, oh, well, at this point we have a reputation for big bombastic finales. Like, this is something that he's he's going to be able to do correctly again as we see the, the, the character development and sort of ongoing feel of the Capaldi era. But the Smith era just feels so slapdash in its construction of arcs and finales. Anyways, yeah, that's 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 my piece. Uh, I think it's a kind really disappointing. Um, even though that that scene where he's told that uh, Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart has died is absolutely, I think that's a fantastic scene. Overall, uh, I really feel like I have to give it like a a C minus maybe even a D I think I really I think it's got a lot of problems uh this is a mediocre finale to a mediocre series and I can't bring myself to hate it um but again going through all the problems of this show of this episode it's indicative and it's going to be repetitive of the problems we've all been talking about um in going through this series as a whole um there's just like so much setup so much promise uh so many ideas being juggled yet so few of them um fully if ever realized um in any way that i feel like the stories want us to feel like they are um you know, as you were saying, Jeff, it feels in RTD era, regardless of the quality of the finale, the, it, it always felt like there was consequence to it, whether it be a companion leaving um, or something in, with their family. Usually it was a companion leaving, but, you know, just like stuff in the world that would be impacted. And, you know, that, that, that really doesn't happen, or at least in any substantive way, because you could argue... Um, series five is like the doctor riding at his most high. He's in a new body. He has new friends. Um, he's just rebooted the universe. He's got a hot girlfriend, whatever. And this series felt, and this, and this finale was supposed to be like a culmination of like, the doctor was at his highest and he fell to his lowest. Um, and you know, building hope back up into series seven, but that's just... I can see that on paper, but I never really felt it. And the the best episodes of this series have, like, have nothing to do with the arc, almost. Almost all of them have nothing to do with the overall arc or river or, like, anything like that. So it's just, again, I, I'm going to stop because I'm, you know, going to be repeating myself for the hundredth time. But there's just, there's great elements there's no good synthesis though and that's the problem um i still enjoyed this episode for what it is i think i've kind of just resigned myself to the fact that like there's been a dip in quality <laughs> i don't know if i'm gonna get yeah. more or less frustrated with series seven who the fuck knows i remember liking more of it than series six but uh, as i said we'll see um yeah, this is this is a C minus or a D, depending on what day of the week it is and how charitable I am. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I, I do in principle agree with most of the criticisms, you know, on paper, I do think all of those are very valid concerns. Um, personally, a lot of it didn't bother me to the extent where it really significantly detracted from my experience of the episode. Um, you know, obviously I, I, there are lots of longstanding problems with, with Moffat's stuff. Um, none of it was really too disqualifying for me in this episode and that's really all I can say about it I think but beyond those issues it was fun enough for me that I, I didn't really have any major problems with it um, so I would say it's like a 7.5 out of 10 alright um so next week we will be discussing oh god yeah we're talking about fucking the Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe, which, uh, yeah, that's, woo, woo boy. Um, until then, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at B2TardisPod. Um, you can support us on Patreon for a number of benefits, such as early access uh to episodes the ability to listen in live to episodes being recorded and potentially even the ability to guest star on an episode of your choosing i'm jeff you can follow me on twitter at wheatley dl i'm begging everyone who listens to this to watch the loki tv show because it's a much better time travel show than this series is you can follow me on sky high nine underscore five on twitter.com uh, I'm Nomad. Uh, y y you can't follow me on Twitter.com. <laughs> or in real life, probably. They're, they, invisible. You can't find them. You really can't. Yeah. They're just, they're just a voice speaking from the ether. Are they real? Who knows? Silence probably will fall. not. And we will see you all next week. Bye.